I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. This episode is about Clarissa Burt sharing her wisdom of how to truly cultivate a healthy self-esteem. Clarissa learned lack of self-esteem from her mother and her grandmother. They were both beautiful women who hadn't really been taught to value themselves. Her mother hated having her picture taken because she had become what she felt was kind of the black sheep of the family. And Clarissa's grandmother had almost died trying to lose weight because she didn't feel she was enough the way she was. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So join me for episode 29 of The Beauty and the Mess, called The Importance of Self-Esteem with Clarissa Burt. Clarissa has an exceptional background. She's a producer, a director, a writer, an author, a public speaker, a former supermodel, and winner of Celebrity Survivor Show in Nicaragua. She was even knighted as a dame in 2022, and now she has written an award-winning book entitled The Self-Esteem Regime. Clarissa speaks about the importance of self-esteem for men and children as well as women, and she knows that everyone is truly more than enough. They just need to realize that, and she wants to help them do just that. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Clarissa. Welcome to the Beauty and the Mess. We're so glad to have you here today. Thanks, Michelle. It's good to be here. So I know you have this whole list of accolades and awards, and you've done quite a bit in your life, but I kind of wanted to see if you'd be willing to share a little bit. I know you have your award-winning book, The Self-Esteem Regime, but how did you get there? I mean, what led you to write that book? Do you have a personal story behind that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Most definitely. So the self-esteem regime is something that I've been wanting to write for a very long time. And basically it's a rah-rah session, mostly for women, but not only. You'll see that, you know, I'll show you again that the cover of the magazine is blue. And when it first came from the publishers, it was pink, yellow, and orange, which were great fun colors for females and women. And I asked them if they'd make it blue because I wanted to make sure that we were able to talk to men as well. That's great. I found that self-esteem doesn't discriminate, right? Right. And so whether it be the elderly, really young kids, teenagers, women, men, people that are having problems with health. There are a lot of different ways that self-esteem pings our lives. And it starts from an earlier age usually. And we, for the most part, a lot of us have to deal with those daily demons kind of every day in some way, shape or form. And it usually is in the form of I'm not good enough, or I'm a fake with the imposter syndrome, or I don't know how to set up boundaries. So I'm just going to let people run all over me. Or I don't know how to be in a non-toxic relationship because that's all I learned at home. So there are many different ways that we can step up to the plate for ourselves. If we're willing to do the work, 
and if we're willing to lose some relationships along the way. And therein lies the conundrum of being able to step up for oneself and go through some kind of really uncomfortable processes at times. So you actually talk about how we have to shed relationships. I think that would be maybe the most difficult part. Well, the book is broken into 12 different chapters and each chapter begins with a re word. I chose the word regime in the self-esteem regime very carefully because regime means an organized way of doing things. And each chapter begins with a re, it's a little bit of a hook, if you will, but regime was important because I wanted to make sure that this book is not a read. This book is a manual and it's a manual to starting here, moving on. And as we move forward, each chapter brings us closer to the people that we really want to be. And again, if you're willing to do the work and take the deeper dive, you will be stepping up for yourself, which many times will mean either reevaluating relationships that you already have in your life, or sometimes they're just going to fall by the wayside, some of the relationships you do have. And that's hard for some people. Yeah. The first chapter is release. It's huge. If you think about the things that you're holding on to that you need to release or the thought processes that you have been indoctrinated with that you still think are working for you, but they're not, you have to let go of that as well. So there's so many things that we have to hear, even in the first chapter is really the major work. It's the shedding, if you will, of who we are, what we are, what's not working, who in our world and our relationships may not be there for our greater good, who are not really living in support of us. And again, we support others. Don't get me wrong. That's another chapter, (laughs) but um, (laughs) sort of releasing the things that are not working. And sometimes I'm telling you just the letting go is the hardest part, right? but it's the best part. So you're very successful. You're a model. You're all of these things, award-winning author. So people would think, well, she's never had problems with self-esteem. You know what I mean? Why I wrote the book because I have. (laughs) Exactly. Right. But I mean, from the outside looking in, we would all think she's got the life we would all love to have. Right. So I think people would be surprised that you're just like the rest of us. It's funny. Yeah. I do get that a lot. I'm not going to lie. I get that a lot. And there was a woman in, when I was dropping the book in Rome in November and December, a woman said, oh, you've had such a perfect life. Why would you know about this? Well, okay, thank you for the question. And I really appreciate your perception, but isn't that key right there? The perception of how you perceive others without knowing anything about them. Yes, they have accolades. Yes, they've had their successes and that's all great. But what really prompted me to write a book about self-esteem? Right. They always say that you teach what you need to learn. It's a great saying. You teach what you need to learn. And lack of self-esteem was something that I learned first from my mother She was a beautiful woman and back in the 1950s, got pregnant with me when she was 18, became immediately the black sheep in the family. So you can only imagine the case scenarios, right? Right. Didn't want her picture taken, thought she looked horrible in pictures. So my mother was already coming with this full on construct of who she was. And so I kind of thought, well, having pictures taken was a horrible thing. Oh, wow. Until I realized that I could make a living out of doing that. (laughs) My grandmother beautiful woman, beautiful woman decides that she just needed to lose weight. She didn't need to lose an ounce. She was a beautiful lady. Takes two diet pills, chokes on them, 
perforates her esophagus, spends the next six weeks in the hospital. Wow. And I thought to myself, that was futile and possibly a little silly. I want to validate the way she feels, but my perception of her is that she's absolutely gorgeous just the way she is. And of course, then we move on to the people that we meet in schooling and all our educative institutions, our faith, a lot of people meet a lot of people in churches and all the different places that we go to meet people. And we feel so compelled as human beings to want to compare. We always are comparing ourselves. And certainly social media really brought that to the fore. So now we're all on social media. We're taking a look at what Susie Q is doing and we're tracking what Susie Q is doing. And it looks like she has the perfect life and our life totally is horrible. And so the one thing we don't want to do is that for sure. 11 year old girl came to one of the book signings that I did and she came up with another book. She didn't have my book in hand and her mom brought her up and she's 11 years old. I wanted to be able to leave something with her. And I said, if you walk away from talking to me today with only one thing, I want that to be that. You never, ever, 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 ever want to compare yourself to somebody else because she's not on your same path. She's not going to be significant in your life some years from today. Right. And you are so lucky that you get to be you. Why would you want to be her if you could be you? With all of the beautiful things that you bring into the world. And the mother's standing there the whole time going, see, what did I tell you? What did your mother been telling you? All of- <laughs> <laughs> it was the coolest thing to see. But sometimes when your mom says it, it doesn't land. It doesn't hit home. You need someone else to say it. Right. So she put down the book she had come up to the table with. And she picked up my book and said, mom, can I get this book? Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really great. It was a great moment. And, you know, the idea of, yeah, of course, we never want to be comparing ourselves to others. That's self-esteem 101. But self-esteem goes so broad and so deep. Right. Again, it's men, it's women, it's teenagers, it's children, it's people that have drug addiction, people that are elderly, people that are sick, people that have just been told recently that they have cancer or they've got diabetes, or whatever the case scenario may be, take a huge hit. So self-esteem isn't this wishy-washy catchphrase from the 1960s. It's a real deal. And for these are the reasons why I felt that it was so important to write a book that wasn't, again, an easy read, but the work will challenge you and rightfully so. So I feel like we have to train ourselves not to compare because it's so bred in us through our social culture. Absolutely do have to train yourself not to. Yeah. And again, it goes back to, I really get to be me and I'm so lucky. You know, you don't know what Susie Q is living. You don't know what's going on in her household. You don't know what she's living in her relationships. You don't know what the daily demons in her head are talking to her about. You know, I talk about the daily demons in the book and, you know, one of the things that I have to combat, and I think a lot of people have to combat are those negative thoughts that come along. Oh yeah. There and they're persistent and they don't want to let go. And it's our job to go, you know what? Thanks anyway. Appreciate the input, but not today. Not today. And move on with the positive work that you're meant to be doing for the betterment of your life, not only for your relationship with self, but your relationship with those around you. Because when you bring the best you to the table, when you bring your best you to the relationship, the bigger, the better, the strongest, the boldest, the brightest you, then what happens is that you start to leave that, you impart that, you sprinkle dust, you know, <laughs> everyone around you with all of these amazing thoughts and feelings and different ways of being that are, is really, really motivational. I find to be extremely inspirational. Absolutely. So it's important, but again, These 12 chapters, as we start with release, and then we go into rebuild. The third chapter is responsibility. Michelle, I know where it is 
I take responsibility in my life. And, you know, every once in a while, I kind of shirk responsibility. I'm not real comfortable with the administrative part of business, contract lawyers, banks, finances, all the graphics and sheet. I'm not good with that. I know I'm not. And that I have to really push myself to understand more about the administrative. I love the creative part. That's the fun part. That's Disney World for me. But when it comes to the nails and the bolts, it's a little more challenging. I know that that's where I shirk responsibility and that's where I really have to concentrate. So where is it that we all can ask ourselves the question, where am I shirking responsibility and where do I need to step up for myself and for my relationships? That's great. Yeah. So I know you also talk about support groups. Would you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah. Well, you know, we don't get to choose who we come into this life with. We get a family right? and we navigate within that family household or within that household with our family for the first 18 years, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but give or take. And then we're out on our own and we take what we've learned in those 17, 18 years along with us. And then life hits and then the reality sets in that it's not all the way it was at home. Home might've been a great place to be or not such a great place to be. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> right, right, right. Whatever you come out into the world with is what you are going to be. You've got to start dealing with. This was great. This wasn't so great. And then you start the checks and balances, right? Of where is it that I really want to be somewhere happily in the middle with happy, healthy self-esteem and life will kick you in the teeth a few times until you kind of get it. Oh, okay. I got it. Get it. I'm learning. I'm moving forward. And when you start to look back from whence you came from the familial tribe, if you will, I'm not saying go home for Christmas dinners and love your Thanksgiving, but you will have to start loving everyone where they are. And that is very difficult because it's triggering. Just love them where they're at, love them for who they are and don't let it trigger you anymore. Because you were given a different set of tools and resources now. You now have different, again, tools in the shed that you can pull out and use whenever you need. And certainly when you are trying to navigate the triggering effects of what family is and what they can do, you have to, again, be big enough, brave enough, courageous enough, and have done the work to let it go, let it slide doesn't define you, not that important. They have their way of thinking. You now, thank goodness, have your new way of thinking. It's a happier, healthier place to be. So just love them where they're at. That's great advice. So the self-esteem portion though, is something we have to constantly work on, right? It's not something that we ever really fully master because life's always going to hit you from one direction or another. So you have to consciously work on it. You do have to consciously work on it. Yeah. Great question. And yeah, I absolutely do believe it's something you will constantly have to work on. I say it's very important that as we do the work in personal development and self-improvement, that we learn along the way how to stand strong in our stead. And what I mean by that is that we become a little bit more rooted, just like a very good, strong tree, you know, is well rooted in the dirt. And that's kind of where we are mentally with our new cells. We become really strongly rooted so that when the hurricane goes by, when the tornado goes by, when that really hellacious storm passes through and whatever else, we may lose a leaf, a branch. We're not going to be uprooted with the storm and transported away. And that's the most important thing I think that we need to learn about happy, healthy self-esteem is that we stand strong with our beliefs. And a lot of our beliefs are coming from our new value systems. We learn value systems along the way. Again, family, tribe, the educative process, 
friends, work environments, social media, the news, wherever it is that we've taken on our formation, we now get to choose who we want to be tomorrow as a better person more than I am today. What's the work I need to do in order for that to happen? And therein lies really, I think the key, one of the keys for sure, to happy, healthy self-esteem. Oh, yeah. You just touched on something that I think is important too. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. There's such political and cultural changes and turmoil going on. Do you feel like people's self-esteem is being affected even more now than before all this happened? Yes. I would like to call this period the great destabilization. And that is COVID. Right. It's also economic. It's political. Life is coming at us from all angles right now. It's coming at us from everywhere. And I think the idea of being very strong with self, although it is destabilizing what's happening on the outside, a good strong sense of self will get us through because we're not as prone to be afraid of everything and scared of everything and being affected by what they're telling us and all of these balloons and is it aliens? It's not. It's not. And also, I think the other really important part about that is to little sidebar from self-esteem is stay educated. Where are you getting educated from? Where are you getting your news from? It's hard to even say these days where you're getting good news from. Who can you believe? Who's telling you the truth and who's not? Get it from three, four or five different places and decide what makes sense to you. And I'm telling you, that's not an easy feat these days, but absolutely I think that is the great destabilization. It is a period where we are living in fear and uncertainty and in the unknown. So no greater time has there been for us to be well-rooted, as I've said, so that we are not being transported away with that storm. So read as much as you possibly can about the importance of self-improvement, self-confidence, self-esteem, and do the work toward your empowerment, your betterment. And I think you're going to feel a lot better for it. I know you're going to feel a lot better for it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I think the beauty of your book, especially, is that it gives us what you touched on earlier also, but it gives us a toolbox, right? So when we start feeling shaky and wobbly again, you have these tools now that you didn't have before that you can get yourself right back in line instead of going off on a tangent well, as I was saying before, Michelle, each chapter has a case study. It has the Clarissa's Corner. It has a clarion call. It has reviews. It has homework. As I had said before, it's not a read. Right. It's a manual. Mm-hmm. This isn't the read. We're going to sit there and, oh, I'm so bo-. No, it's not a boring read. It's not a read. You're not going to learn anything about self-esteem in theory this is a practical guide. This is going to get you from point A to point B. After responsibility, there are things that we have to replace in our lives. Then we reaffirm, there's a reaffirming moment. Very, very important as well. Then we reinvent. I know that I've reinvented on more than one occasion in my lifetime. You have to be able to let go of who you think you are, what you think you are, what you think you've learned and open yourself to new possibilities. This is a chapter that is really great in self-learning just taking on what are all the different possibilities. I think I'm just this little box and I fit myself into that little box and I put myself up on the shelf and there I am. There's so much more to who you are. What was the dream that you had as a five-year-old little girl? I know there is one. There has to be one that you have not realized yet. 
and start working on that. Right. There are things that I'm pretty sure that I still now I want to be, still want to do. I still have a, my vision board of the things that I would love to be in a week's time if I worked hard enough on it or a six months time or a year's time. So reinvention is always keep your mind open. What are the other possibilities? People say, oh, I could never. Well, okay, why? Why could you never? Because you think you can't and therefore you won't. So it's just, it, it, there are a lot of really practical exercises that kind of expand, if you will, all the different possibilities of the things we thought, no matter how old we are, that we thought weren't possible. Look, you know, there's this great saying that says, I can do anything. I could be anything. There's nothing I can't do. Well, okay. All right, great. You know, I'm 64 years old. I don't think NASA is going to call me tomorrow and I'm going to be on the moon in six months time. Probably not going to happen. I really don't want to. That wouldn't be what I would want to do anyway. But there are many other things that I know I still want to do that I'm working on and I won't stop. People think age is such a factor that it's one of those kind of places where you just you come to the stop sign and that's it. It's the end of the road. It's not. So I really love the idea of just keeping expansion, keeping what else is possible, all the different avenues that we can be experiencing and exploring if we were to take that one think tank, that one think set, if you will, that one mindset, oh, I could never. Another thing is I can do anything. I can do anything. I, yep, okay, great. Until you can't do anything. And by that, I mean, you can do anything until you can't. Who is it that you need to be toning with? Who is it you need to be saying, I'm sorry to? Who is it that you need to be saying, hey, can we talk a minute? Where are the relationships that you left along the way? I went, whatever. You really can be picking up and making right. And if you were to reach out to somebody and they didn't answer or they answered you in a poor way, at least you tried. Right. You know that you've done the right thing by trying. There are so many relationships that have been left out there hanging that are painful for both sides. Painful for me, painful for you. And nobody decided that they wanted to, you know, their pride got in the way. I often challenge pride. I think pride is a good thing in many different cases. And then I challenge pride many other times and say, you know what? Maybe we need to put pride aside and just get done what we need to get done. Make it right. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Where do you think gratitude fits in all of this? Well, it's funny you should say that because when I talk about self-esteem, I talk about values and your value system. So I talk about taking the high road and the high road for me is honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor. And so when I come to the table with the things that I find to be the four most important things for me on the value scale, when I come to myself, when I come to others with honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor, then I know I am bringing my best self. It, it also is a very fine line because a lot of people aren't ready for that. It's kind of like, whoa, <laughs> case in point, I was doing Celebrity Survivor. You know, this show Survivor. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> I'm so intrigued with that. I did Survivor. I want Survivor. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So Celebrity Survivor in Nicaragua in 2010, I think it was. And we had an exercise where we had a helicopter come and get us and they were going to take us to an island to do whatever. Well, I had two of the beauty girls behind me, the ones in the bikinis and they were so much younger and lovely girls, but just, you know, kind of always in front of the cameras and that kind of thing. So I was already 53 when I got on the island. So for me, it was like, knock yourselves out. But back to the point. The point is these girls went to the pilot of the helicopter because we were starving. And they said, Can you please go into the little hut over there in Nicaragua and get us some food because we're starving. And he did. Oh, wow. Of course he did. 
He did. And he came back with a brown bag full of goodies, you know, junk food, but goodies. So they got in the back and I'm sitting next to him and I'm looking over the beautiful, I feel this tap on my shoulder and I look around and they're handing me some food. And I went, oh no, no, thanks. 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 Immediate shift. Number one, I would not be living in honor. Number two, I would not be living in integrity. Number three, it would be extremely dishonest. As where I was grateful for the offer, I knew that there were rules to this game. And if I had taken that food, I would be breaking the rules. Right. What did break, however, was their trust in me because they felt that was where we had distanced ourselves. And they were a little worried because I might go to the production and tell the story of how dishonest they had been. Some people will call it survival skills, I guess, on their part. And I say this because I want to impress upon you because it was important to me. It was a part of my value system to do the right thing. I don't know how many people would have. Some people would have gone, shit, yeah, give me, well, give me everything you got. I'm starving. So how long had you been on the island at this point? We were there two and a half months at that point. Oh my. Wow. Yeah. I had already lost about 20 pounds. You would think that there would be some kind of natural consequence to them eating that junk food after having so little food for two and a half months. You know what I'm saying? Like get sick or get weaker. I suppose <laughs> they say a bad mother is better than no mother at all. I guess bad food is better than no food at all. Right. But for me, it was, who are you? When you are living in integrity, when you are living in honesty, when you're living in honor, who are you when no one else is in the room? Who are you when you're not accountable to anyone but yourself? And some people have a hard time tracking with that way of thinking. And for me, it, it just comes kind of naturally and normal. It doesn't make me perfect. But again, my value systems are very clear. I know what they are and how they are. And it's important to me. And I will tell you, Michelle, that was a huge moment for me and for my self-esteem. I was so proud of myself. And that's another reason self-esteem and self-pride is a great piece also in all of this. Awesome. So where do you see like self-love fitting in? I know it's very important to self-esteem, but there's a lot of people that seem to struggle with self-love. It's self-awareness, it's self-confidence, it's self-esteem and self-love comes to the point where you know that you are first among all and others. And that is not a conceited point of view. It's not a narcissistic point of view. Narcissism is a whole different animal from happy, healthy self-esteem. It's not even on the radar in this conversation. But self-love is one of those kind of things that you do for yourself when you know you've got a really good, strong sense of self. It's one of those kind of things. Like I felt so much love for myself when I knew I had done the right thing. When I knew that I didn't accept that food. When I wrote this book, there was a great amount of self-love. When I hear the people two, three weeks ago in Houston, Texas, in front of 200 people at a chamber of commerce event. And after the chamber of commerce event, I went for a book signing at Barnes and Noble because the book is in Barnes and Noble. And I'm so thrilled that it's in Barnes and I was so excited. It's in Barnes and Noble. It's got its awards and it's an international award winning. And I'm thrilled with the book. It's such a crowning moment for me. It's awesome. So I was with my cousin who runs the chamber of commerce there. And he said, this lady walking by, excuse me, could you take a picture of us with the book? And we were standing with the book, you know, and um, she, oh, absolutely no problem. And she took the picture, a couple of pictures. We thanked her very much. She goes, oh, a book on self-esteem. And we went, yeah. And he goes, oh, it's my cousin. She wrote it. And I went, oh, hi. Yeah. Yeah. So he started chatting with her and I kind of wandered around and whatever else. 
And he comes downstairs to me and he says, her name is Wendy. And guess what she said? She's like my age. I don't know. But in that area, right? She wasn't a child. And he says, she came over to me and she said, you know what? I have been having such a hard time with my self-esteem lately. I think she was just recently divorced. I have been having such a hard time with my self-esteem lately. I mean, it is in the tank. And I woke up this morning and I prayed and I asked the Lord for a sign. And I walked in here today. And he put your book in my hands. Oh, wow. That's huge. Oh, my God. That for me was as a crowning moment, another crowning moment as an author to be, I know there are a lot of people that read the book, but I haven't been one-on-one speaking to somebody. I said, this book will change your life. And she said, I have no doubt about it because this is what I asked God for this morning. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I felt a lot of love for myself, for her, but I felt a lot of love for myself too in that moment. It's the crown moments. It's the moment that you know that you are living your life's purpose and you know that it's also helping others. That's a great self-love point. Absolutely. And I think your story with the 11-year-old girl, when you know that you're impacting children, that, I mean, so many of us spend our whole life struggling with all of these issues, right? Self-esteem, self-love, everything. But if you can impact children where they don't have to struggle, where they learn it at a young age yeah. and they have the tools at a young age, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. It really is. It's really great. It's a good moment. Yeah. And so do you feel like the self-esteem regime is your life's mission or just one of your life's missions? It is. I have a multimedia platform. So in the limelight media is television, podcast, digital magazine. And I've been in media my whole life. I was Mary Poppins in the kindergarten play. So I knew that a stage and a microphone was always going to be a part of my life. And it has been for the most part. But this to me is, this is the purpose piece. This is the why. This is the why piece, you know, why I wake up in the morning, what, what keeps me motivated and inspired. And as I had said to you before, this is a manual, but it's a mission and it's a movement. I'm happy to say that as far as I know, in the last counting, we were selling in at least 10 different countries. Wow. I haven't checked it, but it's moving and it's moving quickly. I went into my local library today. I had a meeting with them today, Michelle, and I had taken a book up a year ago. And so we're in there, we're talking about other things. And I took her another book anyway, because it's a new woman that came on board. And I took her a new book and whatever else. And she looked it up in the system. She goes, oh, the book is checked out. What? Oh, wow. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know, so honestly, it's the littlest things sometimes that mean the grandest things. And that is somebody has my book at home, hopefully curled up on a couch with a good cup of tea and a cat purring beside them or whatever and a blankie and they're getting true life lesson that will change. And the other thing about books like this and a book like mine is you can read it today and you will have things that you need to release in chapter one today. In six months time, it might be a whole different subset. In a year's time, you may have a whole different kind of subset of things you may need to release. You didn't know you had to release today. Right. So it's one of those kind of books that, as I said, it's a manual. It's one of those kinds of things that you refer back to. Refer, that's another reword. You refer back to for a lifetime. Oh, no doubt. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I get really excited about this. <laughs> you should. I can't imagine a greater feeling in life than to know you're impacting other people's lives for the better. I mean, that's 
what we're all here for, but we don't all get to achieve that. Well, you've impacted mine today by allowing me on your show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's very sweet. Yeah. And that's why I do this show is to help people get their message out to hopefully help as many people as we can. Great. So what do you think is the most important thing that we should be doing or saying to ourselves every day to start this self-esteem journey? If we're, if we're on. Okay. So self-esteem, yeah, self-esteem falls under the self-help category. Right. And self-help, I said self-help. I didn't say shelf help. <laughs> that means if you get the book, read the darn thing. Read the book. You may only want to read it a chapter a week. That's fine. Read release. Ponder it for a week. What do you need to release? Next week, read rebuild. Fantastic. What do you need to rebuild? Get your journaling work in. Really think about, do the work. Or you may want to read it all in one sitting. Whatever works for you. Right. Do the work. And you will see how I'd say that this book is changing lives one chapter at a time. And it is. And it doesn't matter if you're a 15 year old girl or a 60 year old guy, it doesn't matter. It is all the same thing. We are all human beings that are struggling a little bit, especially as we spoke about already in these times. Right. And we need reinforcing. There's another reword. We need to be reinforcing ourselves in the self-development, personal development and self-help aisles of Amazon or of Barnes and Noble or any of the other boutique stores. I know my book is in many libraries across the United States, and it definitely is in every Barnes and Noble in the United States. So there's absolutely no reason to be sitting around and brooding and worrying, by the way, is praying for what you do not want. The more you worry, the more you send that energy out, you are praying for what you do not want. So stop worrying. That doesn't do a damn thing. Not good at all. Not good. So stop worrying, right? I agree a hundred percent, but I also know that's hard to do. I think that's another thing that you have to catch yourself. Self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You start catching yourself on all this. Another thing is I am enough. You are enough. We are enough. Everybody is enough. If you look at the definition of enough, it is only as much as is required. Another reword required only as much as is required. Now, Michelle, I know you and your listeners, and I know me, and I know that we are so much more than enough, so much more. Let us not be diminished by the words that we utter. We are so much more than enough. Once we believe it and the floodgates open, we are so much more than enough. That's awesome. So that leads into, you talk about the mirror work. Would, would you want to explain that to the listeners, what that is? This is not my invention. I had originally come across the work with Louise Hay. And I don't think I have her book here. I usually have it right here. I think I moved it. Louise Hay's book. And then it was in Jack Canfield, some of Jack Canfield's work as well. And I adopted it into my own work. And that is where one of the most impactful things you will ever do. And it's weird and it's uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes it's really emotional. And sometimes you'll need a tissue. Is when you look at yourself, you know, usually we're looking in the mirror right? At ourselves. We are not looking at the mirror to ourselves. We're looking at it a whole different way. And so when you are actually doing the work and you're talking to yourself, to your own eyes, with your own voice, going into your own ears and into your own soul, it is super impactful when you say, I love you. I forgive you. I honor you. 
I like you. I'm so proud of you. I forgive you, whatever it is. Because if we wait for everybody else to validate ourselves in this way, we might pass a lifetime because we don't always have people that are validating us the way we really need to be, to be upheld, to be sustained, to be feeling as though there is someone that always has our back. Well, that's not always going to be the case. Somebody's not always going to have our back. We have to stop waiting to be saved. Who's going to save us? Right. So when you start to do that work with yourself in the mirror, you start to understand that you are, apart from religion and other things of that sort, you will always be there to save yourself. You will always have your own back. Right. Not many people think of it in those terms. They are always waiting to be validated by mom or dad or a sister or a husband or a wife or a child or a coworker or a boss. The hell with all that. <laughs> Just go in knowing that you're all that in a bag of chips and because you've done your work, because you didn't keep the book on the shelf, because you did sit down and do the work, because you are really enthralled about the idea of the self-help work the personal development work, being a better person more than you are today, no matter what that means. Maybe you did an act of kindness. Maybe you read an extra chapter in a book. Maybe you, whatever it is, make it up as you go, but you know that you are now better tomorrow than you are today. Absolutely. To kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, who do we spend the most time with? Mm -hmm. And it's ourselves. And so if we learn to be there for ourselves, to have our own back is kind of what you're saying and be kind to ourselves. It's got to amplify it in a way, I would think. You are your own rock. Yeah. You are your own rock. Pretty simple. That is. I like that. So as we wind down today, is there anything, any subject we haven't touched on that you want to make sure that the listeners hear? I think we have to be really, really careful about, as I said before, when we take the high road, it also means loyalty is when I have your back behind your back. Loyalty is when you have my back behind my back. So when we're at the water cooler or we're sort of, you know, in this sort of go gossipy kind of coffee clutch kind of thing, and everybody was talking really bad about Susie Q, what do you do? Who are you then? Who are you? Do you go, oh, I know she's that. Or do you say, I know Susie Q and I like Susie. I think she's pretty cool. And maybe she was just having a bad day that day, or maybe she just needed a little extra understanding, or maybe she needed somebody to hug her and say, hey, how are you? What's going on? Right. I mean, it takes a little from us, doesn't it? A simple act of kindness. And some people are jerks and I get it. And, you know, there's not we can do about the whole world. But maybe if we were to stop treating people like they were so horrible, they wouldn't feel so compelled to be horrible. Actually, that's a good statement. That's true. So just come at things when you can with kindness. Let the person in and traffic God, just let them in. What's it going to cost you? Another minute on the road? Let them in. So they cut you off. Let it go. There's such bigger things going on. Right. Then you creating another act of kindness and going, please, uh, please, I'm happy to let you in. You're being a jerk and that's okay. I'm not going to be a jerk. I'd love for you to you know, go ahead. Right. Open a door, hold open an elevator door, help a woman down the stairs with her baby carriage, stand up in public transportation the way we used to be taught for the elderly and for a pregnant woman. There's so many different little things. Hello, a smile. I love that top. Oh, I love your shoes. I do that all the time. I see people in the supermarket. I don't know who they are from Adam, but I love the idea of giving a compliment and getting a smile. Oh, I just love it. And it makes them feel good. And it makes me feel good. Win-win. Right. And you could change the course of someone's day even. 
just a simple, yeah. Simple, 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 simple. Yeah, really simple stuff. Right. And the one thing you touched on earlier is that we have no idea what's going on in other people's lives. So to your point, Susie Q might have something horrible going on at home and we have no clue. Exactly right. Absolutely right. You don't know the miles she's walked in her shoes. You don't know what she's living with at home. You don't know what her childhood was like. Right. You know, you don't know acts of kindness, you know, and it's not always possible. I know it's tough sometimes. It can be really frustrating, but I keep going. You want to be a better person more than you are today. So, okay. All right. Remember that. That's my mantra. So that's kind of what keeps me because God knows I'm not perfect. You know, I preach and teach this all day long, you know, but I'm human too. But I do really try with all of my might to make people feel good. You know, make people feel good. It'd be the rah-rah session. I run a mastermind as well. And and the mastermind is not only business, but we're business and personal. So whatever's going on, somebody had said to me once, clear, so you've created such a safe place for us all to land. And there are about 20 women in this group. And there's never been, you know, through the entire process, I think we're, we're together of six, five months, I think it is. Every one of those women at some point in those five months will come to that mastermind and cry for whatever reason. Oh. There's somebody sick, somebody died, somebody committed suicide, somebody, whatever it is. And we as a collective are there to catch them in their time of need. It's the culture that I insist on creating around me. And I think that if we could get more people to do that, just to be kind and be nice and to be there for others, we're not that busy. We can always make a phone call, you know, and in social media and email doesn't cut it. Right. Absolutely. You got to pick up a phone. Just the way I think of things. I think that's a beautiful culture to create. And like I said, I love your mission. I think it's so important. It's the foundation of everything. Because if we can love ourselves and have self-esteem and become better people, then we're only going to radiate that out. And it's going to help other people. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for what you're doing. And it sounds like you don't need any good luck with the book, but best wishes as you go forward. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And thank you so much for being with us today. I love all the knowledge and wisdom you had to share. Appreciate your time. Thanks again, Michelle. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Clarissa sharing her journey and her wisdom has helped you in some way. A few things really stood out to me. First, Clarissa and I discussed how self-esteem is never perfected. It's an ongoing effort. We are always growing and changing and learning about ourselves. Secondly, you can start cultivating a healthy self-esteem by doing mirror work or looking into the mirror and simply changing what you say to yourself. Another important measure is making sure that you come to yourself and to others with honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor. Then you'll know that you're bringing your best self. Clarissa reminds us to always remember that you want to be a better person tomorrow than you are today, and there's no time like the present to start making that happen. And when that's in the forefront of your consciousness, you'll work to achieve that. So as always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.